Well, good morning, friends. Yes, we're starting a brand new series called Glow Light Up the Night. Glad you're joining us, regardless if you are jumping in right now, jumping online right now, or you're kind of kind of watching this a little bit later. Glad you're here because I'll tell you what, it is tough. It's been crazy in the midst of everything that's going on in this pandemic that, uh, you know, we, uh, there, there's so many things that are happening. There's so many things that are happening. It's so hard to stay plugged in. So if you're watching this, however, listening to this, I'm proud of you. You should give yourself a hand, give yourself a high five. I mean, that's hard to do. I mean, you could do it, but proud of you, proud of you. So like I said, we're starting a brand new conversation, new series, but it's kind of old. I got to tell you, it's kind of old. It is. It's an old conversation about being the light of the world. And uh, it's, it's, it's a great series because we've been doing this for like four years now. And uh, it's been great because uh, we talk about our responsibility of, of what God has called us to be. Like he's called us to be the light of the world. And we negotiate what that even means because we all have our own issues, but yet God's calling us to something bigger. And this series is also connected to our Christmas offering, which, which, which means that we come together and uh, we, we try to raise about $40,000, and we've been doing this every year. And so what we do is we raise $40,000 uh, plus, and this is not uh, tie. This is, uh, you know, offering. It's our Christmas offering, we call it, or our end of year giving. And Ashley and I, we've seen God just do amazing things as we've given. And, and uh, what happens is we get to collect all the resources uh, up front, and then uh, we get to use this for our outreach efforts the next year. And so I'm just going to tell you, last year we did this. So glad we did, because this during, the, during this pandemic, even though finances were up and down, we already had funds to make sure we did outreach. And we were able to locally and globally support all our partners. In fact, we were actually able to give them extra. And the reason why we, did, uh, we could do that is because we did this GLOW series and this Christmas offering. So we're going to do that. We're going to do that this week. We're starting uh, for the next couple of weeks talking about that. We're trying to raise $40,000. I'll talk to you about more about that. But let's talk about GLOW and this whole idea of light. Now, we've talked about four years. If you've been with us, and if you're in the chat room, you're like, I've heard this before. I get it. I, I feel you. But hey, we're going to keep talking about this. And in fact, I want to I, I introduce the same concept in a different way to you uh, this morning. But first of all, let's talk about your relationship with light. Your relationship with light. I mean, you know, the truth is, is that we all have a relationship with light. Uh, let me just tell you how, uh, what I mean by that. Like, I have a relationship with actual light. Uh, about 14 years ago, I got LASIK, LASIK done. And if you don't know what that is, it's, you know, it's uh, eye correction surgery or whatever. And so I had always an issue seeing, you know, further away. I'm not quite sure that if that is nearsightedness or farsightedness. I can never get that right. Like, can you? I don't even know what that means. But anyways, I just can't see far away, okay? I stopped, and I couldn't do that. And I started getting glasses, uh, I think, when I was 10 or 11 years old. Anyways, 14 years ago, I fixed those bad boys. Got some surgery done, done. But since then, I have a pretty, a pretty significant sensitivity to light, to the sun. At night, there's a, like a halo effect on certain lights. I mean, it's not because I'm godly vision. It's just I've got LASIK. And if you have LASIK, you know what I'm talking about. And so it's just been sensitive. And so recently, I was like, man, I've been more sensitive to light. I don't know what's going on. And, and so finally, I went to the eye doctor. I don't know what you call them. But anyways, I went to the eye doctor. And your boy, your boy needs glasses. Again, not even for reading, for further distance away. I'm like, what happened? I thought you fixed this. And uh, they were like, yeah, yeah, but you've gotten old. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? They're like, yeah, your lens has gotten thicker. I'm like, whatever, you're thicker. You know, I'm like, whatever. 
And they're like, yeah, you, you could use glasses. And so if you don't want to get, you know, if you want to be, if you're going to manage light, uh, you know, and sensitivity, you just might need glasses and, and it'll be helpful. And I'm like, whatever, whatever. And so I might need glasses. I'm not quite sure. I'm not quite sure. Um, but oh my gosh. So do you have a relationship with light? I mean, maybe you're not sensitive to light, but if you were to t- talk about this in a relational, in a, in a spiritual way, when it comes to light, uh, being ex- uh, we all have a relationship to light because I think there are some of us where like, we would rather not light up certain parts Parts of our lives, if you know what I mean. I mean, everybody looks better when the lights are dim, right? I mean, it's, it's just reality. That's why, you know, nightclubs and bars, I don't even know what those are anymore because we haven't been in one. Not like I used to go clubbing anyways. But what I'm saying is that we have, you know, uh, a, a relationship with light. We know that sometimes there are certain parts of our lives that we like to light up and other parts we don't like to light up. And so let me read you this passage of scripture where Jesus introduces us as being the light of the world. Now I'm going to read you the Passion Translation. And so if you're not familiar with the Passion Translation, you should be because it is, it's so much fun and it brings so much color and depth to the scriptures. So Matthew 5, let me read this to you. It says this, your lights light up the world. Your lives light up the world. Let others see your light from a distance. For how can you uh, hide a city that stands on a what? Hilltop. He keeps on going. He says, and, and who would light a lamp and then hide it in an obscure space? Instead, it's placed where everyone in the house can benefit from its light. So don't hide your light. Let it shine brightly before others so that the commendable things that you uh, will shine as light upon them. So the commendable things we do will shine as light upon them. That's pretty interesting. And he says, and then... And then they will give their praise to your what? Your Father in heaven. Your Father in heaven. But let's be honest here. I mean, I mean, there's 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 this uh, this call to be the light of the world. But for, for so many of us, I mean, we we deal with a lot of darkness. You know, like we have some broken, dysfunctional places in our lives, and and in fact, we just don't want the light of God to shine on it or anybody to shine light on it. And and then. I mean, a whole different conversation about actually being the light because that kind of implies that you got your stuff together. And it kind of implies that, you know, I mean, you got plenty of, of space mentally. You got plenty of emotional stability to actually be light. And because you've already exposed yourself or exposed you know, God's, uh, allowed God to expose the, the hidden parts of your life. So, so what do you do with that? What, I mean, what, what do we do with that? Because it, it's, kind of, it's kind of hard for us to go, okay, you're the light of the world. But I mean, what does that even look like for us? Because I mean, this pandemic, there's some dark places we visited, right? There's some dark days. There's, there's, there's been some feelings, some just confusion. You're like, I just don't know. There's a fog for some of us. I mean, and in the midst of that, we start this conversation about being the light, being the light. What does it even look like? What does it even mean? So let me do this. Let me take you to a familiar story but one that you might be maybe unfamiliar to the truth that it reveals. Because I think we've heard this story so many times, but there's something that we always kind of leave out. So when it comes to a story, now if you're a follower of Jesus, you're like, I know this story. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you're probably going, I'm not quite sure if I trust the scriptures. I'm not, I'm not quite sure if everything in the Bible is true. And, and I get that. I get that. But you know, and I know, that it... it uh, for a, for, a, for a story to reveal something so true, it doesn't even have to be true. 
Like what I mean by that is like the fictional movies out there. They were like, oh my gosh, and they revealed this powerful truth, right? People can tell a story about it. Jesus actually told parables, a fictional story to reveal a particular truth. But this story in particular is actually true. Like it's actually, it's not fictional. He didn't make it up. It actually happened. And it reveals something that's so powerful. So let's find yourself in the story. Because we always do. We watch a movie, right? We have, right? And we're like, oh, I'm that person. Or, or what, if I, what would I do in that situation? And, you know, we, we kind of find ourselves in the story. So find yourself in the story. And, in fact, I think you might have been told the, the part you're supposed to play, the role you're supposed to play, the character you're supposed to play. But maybe just come out of that a little bit. Okay? Let's go to this story. It's found in John chapter 8. And this is Jesus talking. Um, so let me just read it to you. Again, it's a passion translation. Jesus... It says here, Jesus walked up uh, to the Mount of Olives near the uh, city where he spent the night. Then at dawn, Jesus appeared in the temple courts, and soon all people gathered around to listen to his words. So he sat down and taught them. That's what he did, right? That's what he, normal day. It's, all, it's another day. In, you know. So then it goes on. It says, then in the middle of his teachings, the religious scholars and Pharisees broke through the crowd and brought a woman who had been caught in the act of committing adultery. Adultery. And, and made her stand in the middle of everyone. You can just imagine the scene. Then they said to Jesus, Teacher, we caught this woman in the very act of adultery. Doesn't Moses' law command us to stone to, 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 stone to death a woman like this? Tell us, what do you say we should do with her? They, it says here, they were only testing Jesus because they hoped to trap him with his own words. Remember, words, because this whole conversation this morning is going to be about the importance of words. It says, your words, and accuse him of breaking the laws of Moses. But Jesus did not answer them. Instead, instead, he kept uh, he simply bent down and wrote in the dust with his finger. Angry, they kept insisting that he would answer their question. So Jesus stood up and looked at them and said, let me stop right here. Okay, what did he say? We'll, we'll talk about that. Now, what's happening here? And where are you in the story? Like, are you the, the, uh, one of the people who kind of got, got up that morning and, and kind of hung out and waited around for Jesus to show up to the temple and then wanted to hear him and you had your notebook and you're reading, you're taking notes? Are you one of those? Are you one of the disciples? Are you um, the Pharisee? If you, or are you one of those? Um, or you find yourself always being the woman in this, right? Because for some of us, we're like, I mean, that, that, that's pretty much me. I mean, the story is that, you know, we are all caught in this stuff, right? And, and that's the reality. But you know and I know that sometimes, sometimes you just be honest and maybe think a little bit deeper and sit a little bit into this. Uh, you and I have been the accuser. We've been the, look, Jesus, look, Jesus. Like in our, in our prayers, hey, come on, Jesus, look, Jesus. Yeah, I mean, look, look, look what is, what's happened here. And what do they want? What do they want him to do? They wanted him to say some particular things. They wanted him to say some particular things. This is so important. His words matter, and they wanted to trap him by his own words. And to that point, just know what's happening. Jesus is purposely not talking a whole lot. So, a woman comes in. She hasn't said anything. They start talking. He hasn't said anything. So now, all of a sudden, words matter so much. So what's going to be the first words out of Jesus' mouth? What's going to happen? Is he going to talk to the woman? 
He's going to talk to them. He's going to tell disciples. He's going to say, hey, guys, uh, this is not normal, but everybody calm down. Let's talk about this. What's, what's happening? He doesn't do it. There's tension, so much tension, right? So what happens then? Then he said something. So let's go back to what he says. He said this. Let's, and I love the Passion Translation. Obviously, it's a little paraphrase, but this is, the attitude is so, it's so good here. He says, basically, he's like, I got an idea, right? He says, let's have the man who has never had a sinful desire throw the first stone at her. Now, what's interesting is he also says the word man. Because to commit adultery, it takes two to tango. I don't know if you guys know this. No man in sight. They just brought the woman. So I've done this talk before and talked about how symbolic it was, the where he was in the temple, and how they brought her up there. It's, it's a talk that I did a couple of years ago. But I want to focus on actually the, just the words. So you have, she, she, he knows that there is no other, there's, there's, no, there's no man there, part of that. He knows that. So he goes, let's have the person who's never had a what? A sinful desire throw the first stone at her. Which is like, I mean, those are words that are like, what? what? Like, first of all, if, where are you on the story? Um, if you're like the disciples, you're like, ah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Because you're just, you're just you know, witnessing this. You're just the audience. And it's so fun to just be the audience, right? You're not the, you know, you're not the accuser. You're not the victim. You're, not, you're, just, you're just watching, right? You're like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen next? The, the scholars are like, I don't like you. I never liked you. I need you. We, this is not what we need you to say. We, this is not it. What do you think the woman's thinking? Now, if she is like in the middle of the crowd and she's like, you know, embarrassed by this whole thing, she's probably looking down. What does she do? Maybe she's on the floor. We don't know. All of a sudden, she hears and she's waiting for the first words to come out of Jesus' mouth. And the first words that come out of Jesus' mouth is, let's have the... Like, let's have you throw the first stone. No, no, no. Let's have the person who's never, ever had a sinful thought do this. All of a sudden, the woman's like, oh, oh, he's not, he's not saying words against me. Oh, what, what, what's happening here? All of a sudden, his words are different. Their words are so different. And then he bent down, it says here, again, and wrote some words in the gr- dust. And again, I mean, I did a talk about what he was actually writing and the possibilities of that. It's so profound. The story is so multi-layered. But he keeps on going. He says, upon hearing that, their accusers slowly left the crowd one at a time, beginning with the oldest to the youngest, which is funny, right? The oldest, like, oh, forget this. It's over. You know, the young zeal, I have never, well, there was a, mm, mm, I mean, a thought. I mean, I didn't do it. Okay, fine. So he leaves. It says, and they were convicted, right, with a conscience. Then it says, then until finally, until finally, Jesus was left alone with the woman standing there in front of him. Now, he wasn't alone with the woman because guess where he was? In the middle of a church service kind of thing. He was right there. So, he's, he's, so there are other people there. So then he stood up, back up again, and said to her, and this is not the first words that come out of Jesus' mouth to her, okay? Imagine her. First word is what? Dear woman. Dear woman. You've been caught in something that's shameful. The first word that Jesus says is, dear woman, where are your accusers? Is there no one here to condemn you? 
Looking around, she replied, I see no one, Lord. I see no one. Like her first words to Jesus is like, I don't see them. All of them who dragged me, I don't see any of them here. And then Jesus said, then I certainly don't condemn you either. Go and from now on be free. Be free from a life of sin. Now this is so profound. Now Jesus doesn't like just go, hey, it's all good. No, it's not all good. He says, hey, stop. Don't do this anymore. But his words are very different, aren't they? They seem to be protecting. They seem to be inviting. They seem to be comforting. They're not accusing. What's going on here? Why isn't God, Jesus being aggressive? Why isn't he shining the light, you know, in a sense, or like exposing her sin, exposing the, 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 the brokenness of everybody? But instead, he's exposing the hypocrisy of religious people. He's doing something very, very interesting. The good thing is, most of the time, we stop the story here and we move on. But it actually continues, friends. It actually continues. The next verse, the next part of it is that then Jesus said, he said to whom? He said to the people all around him. He said this, I am what? The light of the world. And those who embrace me will never, will, 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 will experience life-giving light. And they will what? Never walk in darkness. He does all that and then he connects it. He said, let me just tell you, I'm the light of the world. See, I think what's happening here is that Jesus is inviting us to not move from the part of being this woman to actually being Jesus. He's like, you're called to be light. So now when you connect that passage to when he tells us earlier on that you are the light of the world and I'm the light of the world, he's saying, here's what I need you to do. That in the midst of people accusing everybody else, in the midst of darkness, in the midst of everybody else's despair, in the midst of everybody's shame and insecurity, in the midst of their sin, here's what I want you to do. I want you to be light. He's saying, I'm the light of the world. This is, what I just did was light. What I just did here is the way you're supposed to live your life. You see, Jesus came to show us, number one, who God really is who God really is and what he cares about and what he wants out of us. And then he showed us how to be human. So how to have a relationship with God, but then how to be human. That's why when you read the scriptures, that's why you read his sermons, you hear his teachings, especially in Matthew. I mean, those are like ideals. They're like, hey, I, hear, I mean, you've heard it said this way. I'm just telling you, you need to say this. You, you need to do this. You've heard this. Let me just tell you this. You've heard, you've heard this. Let me just tell you this. Let me just shine the light on something that's really, really true and really, really important. See, what, what God is saying is he's inviting us not just to have a relationship with God, but actually to be like him and act like him. And here he says, hey, I'm the light of the world. And guess what? I'm calling you to be the light of the world. So what is he doing? Jesus speaks light into darkness into her own darkness, into her despair. And that's what he's calling us to. If, if there was any point to this message, it's this. He wants you to speak light into darkness. Speak light into darkness. And if you think like, oh, that's pretty cool. No, 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 it's not just cool. It's, it's been happening. In fact, let me just tell you, let me just say this. When you read the scriptures, you read uh, Genesis, Right? The first, the first verse in Genesis is like, you know, it basically says that God created the heavens and the earth. Right? It kind of gives you an overall statement. But then verse 2 and 3 are so important. Here's what it says. The earth, let me read this to you. The earth was formless and empty. And what? And what? 
darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of the Lord, right? The Spirit of the Lord was hovering over the surface of the water. And then, then God said what? Let there be light. And there was light. Could you imagine? What if this is such a great picture of what God wants to do even now? He said, let me, let me tell you something. I'm going to create the world. I'm going to create this life that you have. But here's how it works, though. You see, it starts off with the fact is that you were empty and you were formless and darkness covered your life and covered your soul. And then the Spirit of God was all over you. I sent God's Spirit all over you. And then what I did, and I spoke into existence. I spoke light into your darkness. And I, in fact, I sent light into your darkness. Who is the Word of God? Jesus. That's what John says. Again, he's, what is he saying? He's saying the same thing again and again and again and again and again. You see, God started with telling us and saying and speaking light into dark places and speaking dark, uh, light into darkness, and he's doing it since then. He's been doing it since then, but then he's calling us to do the same in fact, like he explains what, what this whole idea of is that you and I are called to be light. In fact, it, when he starts talking about this, he starts, Matthew 5, let me read this to you. Matthew 5, verse 13, it says, you are the salt of the earth. But what good is it if salt loses, lose, has lost its flavor? How uh, can you make it salty again? It, it will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. He's, he's basically saying what? He's saying then, and then after that, he says, you are the light of the world. The reason why he's doing all of that, friends, the reason why he's doing that is because, 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 because he's connecting our words to light. Colossians 4 says this, let your speech always be gener gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to uh, answer each person. Proverbs uh, 18 says this, death and life are in the power of the what? Tongue. And those who love it will eat of its fruits. James 1 says this, James 1. If you claim to be, if you claim to be religious, but you don't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself. And your religion is worthless. I mean, let, let just, if you just take that passage of scripture and apply it to what's going on with religious people or Christian people right now on social media, we, would all, we don't want to read this. We, don't, we do not want to read this. Because it, it convicts us, doesn't it? It, sh it sheds light to us that we're not actually being light. We're not being light. And yet God's calling us to be light. And what is he's, he saying today? He's saying today, here's what I want to start, start with. I want you to be light. And how do you be light? You speak light into dark places. You speak light into darkness. Your own darkness and the darkness of other people's life. You speak light. You don't expose them like a flashlight or interrogating them. That is not what you're supposed to do. That's what the Pharisees did. I'm speaking light in a very different way. Extremely different way. Luke uh, is, is pretty, uh, pretty interesting here. Luke 6 kind of kind of paints a better picture for us. Again, the Passion Translation says, every tree, every tree will be revealed by the quality of, of fruit that it produces. Figs or grapes will never be picked off thorn trees. Okay, 
we get that. People are known in the same way. Out of the uh, virtue stored in their hearts, in their hearts, in their hearts, remember that. Good and upright people will produce what? Good fruit. But, but, out of evil hidden in their hearts, evil ones will produce what is evil. For, for what? For the, for the overflow of what has been stored in your heart will, will be seen by your fruit. And then this is it. He ends with this. And will be heard in what? In your words. You see, it doesn't matter what you kind of claim to believe. I mean, you can believe a lot of amazing things. Amazing things. But if you don't and we don't act like Jesus and speak like Jesus. You see, if we're, if we're, calling, we're t- telling people that we are children of light, but yet we throw around, we go around throwing shade on everyone. We are joking. We are kidding ourselves. We are totally kidding ourselves. Because Jesus is like, I, I, I don't know what you're doing, but your religion is worthless. It doesn't count. I don't know what you are doing here. What you're doing here. But it's not acting like me. Friends, this should challenge us deeply. Because so many of us are speaking death. We're speaking hatred. We're speaking um, insecurity and shame on people. And we've done it so long. And here's why. Here's when you don't even know you're doing it. Because you've done it to yourself. You see, if you talk to your soul in such an ugly way, it's so easy to talk to people ugly. You see, if, if, if you can just, you know, believe in all the things that Jesus has told you, but, or, in a, or not just told you, like you can believe in Jesus, but not really kind of come to terms of, of really realizing that that's for you. Like you believe in Jesus and you believe in God, he loves you, but you don't love yourself. Like if you just stopped and go, okay, is there a difference between how he loves me and what he says things about me and what I say about me or what I say to other people? Friends, I have heard some horrible things, horrible things because of everything in our world right now being politicized. Ugly things. And I'll tell you what God is not saying. God's not saying, good job. Because I'll tell you something. When when it starts with when you look at another person who has another opinion and who looks at, who, who, who has been accused of doing all kinds of terrible things, like the, the woman, if you, if you look at that, and when you start dehumanizing the person, you start demonizing the person. Do you hear me? If when you start dehumanizing a person, you start demonizing the person. So it is justified in your brain to call them names. Because you think God is, loves you because of that. And here the scripture says, no, let me just tell you, the, your, 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 the fruit of your life is going it's, it's to be shown. It's going to be shown what kind of fruit, what, what kind of life you're really living. And in fact, exposes your heart. And I know we sometimes say things we don't mean. I get that. I get that. But the truth is, we believe them deep inside. One, uh, one person describes words as either bullets or seeds. I love that analogy. Bullets or seeds. I mean, think about it. How often do we do that? I mean, I, I started looking at my life and I go, you know what? I wonder what my, my words are. Are they bullets? 
Are they seeds? Are they, are they bullets? Because I want to leave people with a sense of superiority. I want to I make sure people know what I'm talking about. I mean, I want to... I wanna, I want to just not shoot him, but I'm like, I want to make sure that I'm like powerful. I want to, I want to make sure I make a statement. I want a big, like a big sound. I just, I just want them to, to affect people and really do the work. Like I want them to, my words to hit every time in a meeting, in a room, online. My, my words are bullets. Oh my gosh. It's fire. It's like boom, bam, bam. Drop the mic. Yes, 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 yes. And we begin to live our lives like that and we end up doing that to our loved ones. All our words are bullets. And here, what is the scripture saying? The scripture is actually saying, no, your words are what? Seeds, not bullets. You see, if you want, it, if you want to have unhealthy, short-term, tragic relationships, use all your words as bullets. But if you want to grow deep, healthy relationships, it cannot be done unless your words and my words are what? Seeds. Because seeds produce long-lasting, deep-rooted relationships. There is no other way. Man, what do you think Jesus was doing there with this woman? He was starting a relationship. He was starting a relationship. And it started with coming to her defense. It started with her seeing Jesus. Not expose her, because she was already exposed. She knows. She knows. She knows why she did what she did. She knows all. She, I mean, no one needs to be reminded of how broken they are. I mean, they know. It, it's, it's, it takes some time to figure out why and how deep and how to come out of it. But people, people live with themselves. Did you know that? People live with themselves. They live in their skin. They don't want to even be in their skin sometimes. But here God says, hey, hey, let's, uh, let's speak life into this. Let's speak Let's speak truth. Let's speak light into this. So, so how, how can you do that? How can you do that? I, I heard a quote uh, recently. It said, uh, it said, never trust your tongue when your heart is bitter. And I thought, ah, oh, that's pretty interesting. Um, it's so true too. Like sometimes I don't trust um, people's words when I know that their heart is bitter. Like sometimes I just kind of give someone, you know, like a break. I'm like, you know what, I'm going to give you a pass because you're so mad, you're so angry, you're so insecure, you're so broken, and your words are like, you know, I'm not going to trust them in a sense. But here's the problem. problem is that the words that we speak out of insecurity or shame, um, more than all the other people in our lives, we hear them, our soul hears them, and then we begin to believe them. And what happens is that we've actually created darkness in our lives because we have not spoken light into our lives or into our souls. We've spoken darkness and shade into our lives because sometimes darkness is comfortable because you don't have to have the conversation about, oh, wow, I am dysfunctional in this way and I need God. So this morning, what could you and I do to begin to live a life that speaks light into people's darkness. Can I give you a practical way? Um, if you want a really practical way. Um, the Psalms. The Psalms. In the scriptures, the Psalms are the best way to speak light into your life. They just are, friends. They just are. More than all the others. Passages and chapters and books in the Bible. Like the Psalms are just a great way to speak light light 
into darkness because they are um, these, these, these psalms are songs and hymns. They're journal writings of people who are struggling and they're like, um, uh, they're, they're processing everything that, that is happening in their life. They're, they have a relationship with darkness. You can even see sometimes like, oh my gosh, if I stop and read this, where was this person? And you could tell like this person was either coming out of darkness or just exposing themselves to the light or, or entrenched in it. Or, or being invited out by God. So the Psalms are the best. So here's what I would do. I would begin to speak Psalms over your life. I mean, if you haven't heard it before, my favorite Psalm is Psalm 27. Uh, and if you've heard me quote it, let me remind you what it says. It says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is my light and my salvation. I have said that to my soul for, oh my gosh, for decades, for decades. So, I mean, I've been doing it for so long, your boy needs glasses. So long. But man, that's why, that's why in the midst of darkness, in my own darkness, I'm like, the Lord is my light and my salvation. He is my light and my salvation. He is my light. I'm speaking that to my soul. And that's why I have enough light to speak it to you to this morning. So let's speak light into darkness. In, any, in every conversation, in every post you, uh, you put out there, in everything you put, let your words be light. Let them be seeds that grow and produce good, amazing fruit. Let's be other than all the rest of the world. Let's not do that. Let's, lo- let's look at all the other people who disagree with us, who don't, uh, who don't think that all the things we think are important um, are important. People who just dismiss our opinion and dismiss our convictions. Let's look at all of them who are other, who are totally other, who, is li- who are living lives totally different. And let's choose to speak light. I mean, just imagine, you got Jesus teaching, and then you got a woman in adultery, two extremes. And the first thing he says to her is, dear woman, man, what would happen if we, if we would, would be light in darkness? We would light up the night, right? We would do that. So let's, let's, let's do that. Let's do that for ourselves, and let's do that for the people around us. So let me pray for us. Can we do that? Let me pray for you. Let's pray. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you so much for for this conversation, for this morning. God, I know that there are some people here who, who find themselves in dark places who find themselves in a place where it seems like their insecurity and shame, it finds their, their, their confusion with all the other things around them has blotted out all the light of your truth and your love. So God, I just pray supernaturally. I speak light, speak light over darkness right now. God, as, as you spoke into, into creation, you said, let there be light. And what's amazing is that we're discovering right now that the universe is actually still evolving, it's still growing. So what you said millions of years ago, you're still saying that. It's still happening. Because your words don't go out to empty places. They begin to create worlds. And so God, as our words create the worlds, God, I pray that they, were, they would create the world that you and I want to live in. God, it would create the world that you have desired for us. 
So let God, I just pray against the words spoken over everyone right now who's listening, who's watching. That God, that the words that of darkness, the word of destruction, the word of, that, that takes creativity away, God, all of those words would be dis, dis, dismantled. But God, we speak your light, your light into our darkness, into our friends' darkness, into our kids' darkness, into their despair, into their discouragement. Right now, we pray your light into this. We pray that, Lord God. And God, for some of us this morning who find ourselves going, I'm just, I just don't even know what to do. What's my next step? Maybe your confession needs to be, Jesus, would you be, would you be my light? And would you be my salvation? So maybe today you pray this. Jesus, you are my light and you are my salvation. I give you my life. I give you my life. I'm standing before you and you know all the stuff that, um, that I'm involved in. You know it. You know it. And I'm embarrassed by it. But you are my light and you are my salvation. Jesus, I thank you that you, when you speak, the first thing you do is your words remove darkness. It removes the accuser out of the picture. Your words are the first ones that remove all the people who want to accuse us. And then you tell us, you speak light into us, and you say, you say to us, I certainly don't, don't accuse you. Just leave your life of sin. Leave your life of sin and be free. Be free. God, I pray that we would experience that this morning. In your son's name, who is the light of this world. In Jesus' name, amen.